Hi everybody, I'm Dustin. I'm Anna, and we are not qualified to investigate the paranormal, but we might be more qualified than... Law. That was a little slurred. <laughs> the law. The law personified. The whole law. law. Law enforcement people. Like when you say the law, it's like the fuzz, the cops. Right. The ones who are going to get you. Yeah, police officers, it's police peace officers. officers, whatever, yeah, it's you not... know, whatever they prefer to be called. Okay. okay. All right. Well, but, uh, you have some law enforcement background. I do. I do. So I you're more federal law enforcement. Yes. Than yourself. Yes. <laughs> that completely makes sense. Than a 25 year old Dustin. Okay. Yes. I see. <laughs> At this point in your life, you're more qualified than your former self. I would I would say the same about myself. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. I'm glad we're on the same page finally. <laughs> welcome to the show. Welcome to the Anna. show. Let's get started. <laughs> okay, everybody. Welcome back. If this is your first time listening in, then welcome in. We have such a robust story tonight that we just got to get into it. I actually have this front loaded with, there are so many people involved with the list of witnesses and there is no picture or video evidence that I can show you today. This is all eyewitness account. Okay. I think I've talked about it before. This is probably the story that made me want to start this podcast. That's so important. Yeah. So here it is, folks. The story. And I'm going to give you the cast of characters. Are you ready? Okay. The first is Don Decker, a 21-year-old on furlough from his jail sentence for a minor theft to attend the funeral of his grandfather, James Kisson. Okay. James is the father of, what's his name again? James is the grandfather oh, okay. of Don. Don. D-O-N. Yep. Okay. Bob and Jeannie Kiefer, family friends and host of Don Decker during his furlough. Don, Bob, and Jeannie. We're not done yet. Okay. We've got many, I'm many more making, to go. Making a visual in my head of all these casts. Ron and Romaine Van Wy, the Kiefer's landlord. Patrolman Richard Wolbert, the first responding officer. Mm-hmm. Officer John Baujean. I think that's how you pronounce this name. Officer Walbert's partner and second official on scene. John, John. B-A-U-J-A-N. Baujean. 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 John Baujean. That's like John Valjean. It is. Yeah. And it's This French. is Les Mis. It's I'm French. reading you Les Mis. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll probably say Bojan. I don't. I don't know. I'll probably mispronounce it ten times throughout this episode. It'll bother me when I go back and listen to it. But here we are. Anybody who's who still listens is not concerned about you mispronouncing this. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Roberts, the chief of police. Gary. Pam Scrofano, owner and manager of the local pizza restaurant. Warden Keatonhold. There's a warden involved. Warden of the prison that Don was serving time in. Wow. Okay. And Reverend William Blackburn. Wow. The priest at the prison. Okay. You do. You have quite a cast of characters. I got. do. All of these mm. people come in. I'm going to directly quote them, and I'll let you know I'm directly quoting them. And actually, the last half, I didn't have time to finish writing the story narrative. Uh huh. But it was okay because the people involved, their direct quotes from the official reports are enough to fill you on, on what happens. Wow. So you've got multiple official reports. Yes. Sheriff, from, warden, yeah. Kind of. Different context, different institutions. We'll get into it a little bit, but wow. yes, there are official police reporting. There are people who are just friends. There are people who aren't friends, who are proprietors, okay. places. Yeah, this comes from many. This is a, a very wide-reaching story when it comes to the types of players involved. Yeah. Is that the whole cast? That's the cast, Okay. Yeah. 
Before you get into the story, because mm-hmm. I'm very excited for you to tell me the story mm-hmm. that got you into this, mm-hmm. I think I've heard this one. Oh, yeah. Okay. This is one of the most widely known controversial paranormal stories. Yeah. So obviously I'm, I don't want to say primed because I don't have a strong feeling about it, except that I'm vaguely remembering some things. Like, is there water involved? Oh, yeah. Okay. That Lots is, of water. It is the story that I, okay. As a matter of fact, the name of this story is The Rain Man. The Rain Man. Tell me the story of The Rain Man. In the quaint town of Strasburg, Pennsylvania, under a sky heavy with winter clouds, a story began to unfold that would give everyone involved second thoughts about the paranormal. At its heart was a young man named Don Decker, who bore the weight of a troubled past and a recent loss. The death of Don's grandfather, a man shadowed by allegations of cruelty and abuse, had stirred something inexplicable in the air. Granted a short leave from the confines of jail to attend the funeral, Don found temporary refuge at the home of Bob and Jeannie Kiefer. The house, a modest structure nestled on a sleepy street, was about to become the stage for events that would challenge the fabric of reality. Mm. (laughs) The evening started in a very normal manner, with Don and the Kiefers having good conversation and catching up, as well as talking about Don's plans for the future. As dinner time approached, Don went into the upstairs restroom to wash up before dinner. As he was washing his hands, he felt the room go cold. Looking around the room, he didn't notice anything out of the ordinary, but something caught his eye in the window. Staring back at him was the face of an old man with a menacing grin. Don was suddenly pushed against the wall and scratched three times on his wrist. As Don got up and was able to regain his wits, he looked up at the windows, but the face was gone. He looked down at his hand and saw blood dripping from the scratches that had appeared. Don took a deep breath, regained some semblance of composure, cleaned his wounds, walked downstairs to join the keepers for dinner. I'm going to pause here. Mm. So this is like the first part of this story. This is really where the story kicks off. And what year is this again? 1983. 83. Um, very classic horror movie stuff. He's in a bathroom. He sees something in reflection, a face. He jumps back. He gets these mysterious scratches. He was thrown back. Okay. I'm sorry. According to his I'm sorry. accounts. Editorializing. Yep. Yes. <laughs> now, but you bring up some good points, right? We can see how a young man who is, first of all, serving a prison sentence, second of all, attending the funeral of a man who abused him, mm-hmm. he's not even staying with his parents because he's kind of like, I don't want to hear you guys pay lip service to this asshole. Yeah, he's already kind of guarding himself. Yeah, he's already guarding himself. Anything, you know, he could slip, he could he could fall. Mm-hmm. We've talked about how sometimes we see that you can inexplicably see the dead um, of love. You can see that oh, yeah. you see... You know, mm-hmm. not not sixth sense style. <laughs> style. see the dead. Yeah, like no. We can see the dead yes. sometimes. It's yeah, weird. Yeah. People have have various kinds of visions of the people that they've lost. Right. And to the person out there who would say, let's say it was somebody, you know, looking in at him. It was the second floor, right? So they would have would have had to have crawled up on the roof. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty unlikely. He could have seen his own reflection in. This was after dinner. No, no, no. Right before, before dinner. Right, okay. Yeah. Right before what, dinner. What time of year in Pennsylvania? Uh, winter. Yeah. Winter or fall. It was cold. Probably dark. 
outside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was dark outside. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of stuff going on. I want to continue. Yeah. I have thoughts. Please continue. This is a very long story though. So if you, if you have thoughts that you want to say right now, you can. Okay. I'll just make one comment because I think yeah. if you're going to build a, build upon different paranormal phenomena. And by the end, I might be like, I have no explanation for any of this. I think I want to touch on the scratches because that happens a lot or across different stories or fiction or whatever, but yeah. um, the ghost scratched me kind of thing. And I think what's an interesting piece here is he's thrown back or something. He's in a small space. And I don't think people acknowledge enough the, the most likely explanation for these kinds of scratches is we are very fragile creatures and we get scratched and nicked when we bump oh, into yeah. things. I was just thinking that. That's it. Yeah, I think on the paranormal side of the house, people would say three scratches is, is indicative of demonic mm-hmm. entities doing that. It's the three scratches, right? Which oh, if you really? think about I it, it had to be a number of scratches. Yeah, well, like it's if like it's like just a scratch, scratch, like violence from a... That's a ghost, right? So, but if it's three scratches, it's indicative of a demon or demonic possession. Why? I don't know. Uh, it doesn't make sense to me because if you think about three, you think about like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You think about kind of the, the quote unquote good side. Three is one of those mystical numbers, right? Okay. There's three, there's seven. And there's 12, there's 24, there's all those magic numbers or, or mystical numbers that are repetitive within religion, within magic, any kind of belief that a lot of people have. Various. Um, ver- yeah. But also those numbers have significance within math too, right? Because mm-hmm. some of them are pro- like prime numbers, mm-hmm. um, you know, numbers that continually show up for like numerology purposes. So they're... Just put your... He did air quotes. I did air quotes for numerology because I it's... Numerology is just when numbers add up to things... <laughs> I'm sorry. Are we doing an episode on numerology? Well, it's like, God, what's, what's Bill Gates' middle name? It's William something Gates. And if you add all this together, it's 666 or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah. That kind of stupid it, shit. Yes, we yeah, should that's do numerology. an episode on numerology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We should do an episode on Bill Gates. <laughs> okay. So the scratches appearing in threes might not just be malevolence, but like a particular significance to say it's a demon, not right. just a malevolent spirit. Maybe demons have three claws. I, that's where my yeah. mind went at first, but because yeah. but I think I didn't really have more interest in physical manifestations of things. So yeah, I, I think the most probably, and this isn't necessarily like a psychology or scientific, it's just the most practical. Right. I always go to envir- no, I get it. environmental causes. Yeah. Environmental, you fell, you bumped it, you scratched yourself. And when you, you know, a lot of the times when these ghost hunters are in places, they're in like derelict buildings. Yes. I've been in many derelict and bombed out buildings crawling around before, and I got scratched a lot That's by fine. rebar sticking out of yeah. concrete. Yeah. <laughs> by, by the concrete itself because yeah. it had been bombed. I, I've, I've been injured before, right? Not right. severely or anything like that. But, yeah. You know, uh, for three points to make contact on skin. That kind of makes sense, actually, that it would be three, you know, around three. Because, what? Uh, if you think about, like, touching three... a surface, um, you know, your, your body's kind of going to probably re- react after hitting that first one if it's super sharp. Okay. But if it's jagged, then uh-huh. you think about, like, a serrated knife. Yeah. Like, you know, and it's and it's not even. Then, uh-huh. then like three kind of makes sense. Three yeah. or four makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm talking out of my ass. <laughs> to me, it makes sense. I mean, we have three, there are three longest fingers, like pretty easily yeah. scratched with those three fingers. Right. If he could have just scratched himself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it's a really great point that people are often in these old houses where you can get easily dinged up, but it's also in an unfamiliar place. That's where I get most dinged up. So anybody who's ever moved into a new house or been in someone else's house, bumped right. their knees, all that. Anyway, we're taking up a lot of time with that. Just, yeah. Okay. Next part. As they finished dinner, Bob saw the marks on Don's wrist and asked, what did you do? Don replied, it wasn't me. It was the man upstairs in the window. Thinking that this was a reaction from the day's events, 
Bob disregarded it as something having to do with Don's conflicting feelings for his deceased grandfather. But as the night moved on, a noticeable change descended upon the house. It began subtly at first with a chill that seemed to emanate from Don himself, as if the grief he carried was seeping into the room. Then, without warning, water began to manifest, defying all logic and reason. Droplets formed on the walls and the ceilings as if the very air wept. This inexplicable phenomenon left Don and his host in a state of bewildered terror. Yeah, this is what I heard, and it escalates from here. It sure does. It sure does. The couple called their landlord, Ron Van Wy, to come over and ensure that this was not something easily explainable. Ron and his wife, Romaine, showed up and conducted a preliminary inspection of the pipes and the surrounding area. That but, night? Yeah. Wow, that's a fast response by a landlord. Yeah, I think, um, and if you listen to like Bob, because Bob talks about this in, in many interviews, he says, I got on the phone and I was like, you just need to get over here. And, and Ron was like, do I really need to come over tonight? And he's like, yes, you need to get over here right now. Mm -hmm. There's a leak or there's something going on, mm -hmm. right? Which makes sense. If you're a landlord and you hear that there's water coming from the ceiling and it's pouring out, mm -hmm. you need to get there immediately because mm -hmm. the, the longer that goes, the more damage, damage. it's going to do. Yeah. yeah. So they figured out that the water was coming from a part of the house that had no plumbing. Mm. Now that can happen. Water can run down drywall, mm. uh, plaster, whatever the ceiling's made out of, and, and then start dripping in a place that that's not there. Okay. So they start doing inspections. And here's actually our first direct quote. This is from Ron. Ron said, afterwards, we decided maybe it was the plumbing, but there were no pipes in the front end of the house to leak. There was basically nothing there that the water could have come from. After watching it for a while, I discovered that it wasn't only coming from the ceiling down. It could come from the wall over or from the floor up. There was no basic direction that it was coming from. It could come from anywhere. Hmm. So water was defying the laws of mm -hmm. gravity mm -hmm. and physics. But, you know, anybody who's been in a really bad rainstorm, water, remember Forrest Gump when he's like, sometimes water would come up from underneath, you know? Mm -hmm. It's just sometimes water bounces, like for sure it, it, it does things, but it, it would be very strange to walk into a room where water was coming down or going up and yeah. seeing it go up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not bouncing necessarily, it's it's being shot up, which it's is... dripping up. Right. And remember, this is 1983, so you could probably order something on Amazon now that you could somehow rig into something that's going to shoot water up from the floor, you know, if you're trying to do a prank. But 1983, this would be something very elaborate that mm -hmm. you would have to be an engineer to build. Mm -hmm. um, and then also you'd probably hear the pumps going and there would be something that you would notice, right? But just just trying to think about this logic, if you're like, okay, I'm trying to find an explanation for this. So let's say it's a hoax, because that'll come up a few times during the story. If it was a hoax, it, it was a very elaborate hoax that took a lot of people to agree and continue to agree for 40 years that this is the story they were gonna say and this is how they were going to do it. Yeah. And some people, I think, had to not be in on it, which means they would have had to produce water flying from the ceiling, water flying from the from the floor. Yeah, I have I have no response to that. <laughs> this finding, mixed with the house's eerie feeling and some doors opening and closing on their own, prompted Ron and Bob to call the local authorities. Police officers Wolbert and Bujan were skeptical, yet knew they had a duty to investigate. As they stepped into the house, they were greeted by the same unnerving spectacle. The sight of water trickling down the walls in defiance of nature's laws left them grappling for explanations. Could it be a plumbing issue, a trick, or something far more inexplicable? 
At one point, a large drop of water formed in between the officers and Bob as they were talking, paused in front of them, and flew horizontally into the dark kitchen of the house. At this point, knowing they were outside of their wheelhouse, the officers left to go get the chief of police and suggested that the family leave the house until he arrived to investigate. I love this. Whose idea again was it to call the police? Uh, I think it was the landlord's, but I think probably Bob at that point was like, let's call the cops. Why? I get this from a sense of... And this happened with the Enfield haunting too. Mm-hmm. Something's going on. Who else? It's it's who you're gonna call, right? It, it is. There's no, There's no Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. <laughs> so who are you gonna call? You're gonna call nine one one. I think for a couple of reasons. One, you need an authority figure there to say, okay, this is crazy. Like to be in a formal report. Yeah. To be written down somewhere yeah. and acknowledged by somebody other than these people involved, because otherwise everybody's just going to call you crazy and say it was a hoax. I do. I, I think it was a very smart move to call yeah. the police. I think it's surprising for all those reasons. Who's going to help us? Who's yeah. going to validate that this is real and then maybe do anything about it? And they're they're no Ghostbusters. Yeah. Know what you call? So you call the you call the you, cops. You call the yeah who apparently were more qualified than. Mm. <laughs> they were a- they're able to give an official report. That's right. That's really important. And that is important for posterity. Officer Wolbert said later, at this point, he, meaning Ron, was telling me, I just want you to walk into the house. I said, I'm not walking into the house unless you explain to me what I'm walking into. He says, trust me, trust me, just walk into the house. I walked in the door and he came right in behind me and I couldn't get more than two steps inside the door and I was absolutely pelted. We were just standing inside the front door and met this droplet of water traveling horizontally. It passed between us and just traveled out into the next room. Mm-hmm. So that's a direct quote from him yeah. on his eyewitness accounts. So I'll bring up at this point that there have been two TV dramatizations of this event. I was going to ask, it's so interesting, how were the effects on those? How Did you effects? watch any clips of it? Oh, well, the first one was Unsolved Mysteries, and that was done, I think, back in, like, the 90s. So not not great. <laughs> yeah. It was just water pouring from everywhere. Oh, yeah. No, actually, it was, like, that kind of 90s water effect that they used to do that was terrible. I want to pull up a, a clip of that. The next one was uh, Sci-Fi Channel has uh, a ghost retelling story where they dramatize people's ghost stories. I think it's called Hauntings... There's Hauntings and there's something else that's on Netflix. They're both really well done. They get pretty decent actors and actresses. And then the the uh, special effects are obviously much better than they were in the in the mm-hmm. 90s. Yeah. So, uh, I, and I watch both. Obviously, you should watch the more recent one to get, a, to get a better example. But I will also say that there were some players that were missing in the newer one. Mm-hmm. They might be dead, right? It was mm-hmm. 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. So maybe they just couldn't get those people on to, to give their eyewitness accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the chain of events didn't change, but they did leave some stuff out of the new one. And I think there's a reason for that. There's a reason that they left out some of the eyewitness accounts that yeah. were less reliable or No, less we'll get consistent. into that. No, nope, okay. we're going to get into it. Okay, continue, please. Okay. The Kiefers, with Don among them, decided to visit a local pizzeria, a place where the warm glow of the ovens and the familiar bustle of diners promised a reprieve from the surreal events of the evening. Ron and his wife stayed behind in the house to see if they could figure anything else out. Ron later said, They left, and everything else left too. The rain stopped. The house was normal. We were kind of thinking that maybe it was coming from them, and we weren't sure at that time which one. 
Okay, so the Kiefers are the people who live in the house okay. who are hosting Don. They are friends of Don. Mm -hmm. They're family friends. Mm -hmm. So they went with Don to the pizzeria. They walked. It's it's within walking distance of okay. this house to go to this pizzeria. Ron the and landlord. his wife Thank you. stayed That's... behind and said what I just said. That makes sense. The group, hoping to leave the unexplained behind, walked towards the pizzeria, unknowingly carrying the mystery with them. Little did they know the events of the house were just the beginning of a story that would soon become the talk of the town and the world because it was on Unsolved Mysteries. As the group entered the pizzeria, they were welcomed by the comforting ambience of the bustling eatery, a stark contrast to the eerie events that they had just experienced. The owner, Pam Scorifano, a woman known for her hearty laughter and no-nonsense demeanor greeted them with a warm smile. Unaware of the strange phenomenon that had been following Don, she showed them into a booth where the aroma of freshly baked pizza and simmering sauces enveloped them. Mm. Yeah, right? I'm hungry. I'm, after all that poltergeisting, I'm hungry. That's right. The initial sense of normalcy, however, was short-lived. As they began to settle in and place their orders, a sudden chill permeated the air around Dawn. The atmosphere shifted palpably, and an uneasy silence fell over the pizzeria. <laughs> an uneasy silence fell under the pizzeria. <laughs> I don't know why that popped in my head just now. Then, as if in a surreal replay of the events earlier, water droplets began to materialize around Dawn, falling not from the ceiling, but as if conjured from thin air. The pizzeria's Patrons, along with staff, watched in stunned silence. The owner, a religious woman, grabbed her rosary and approached Don's table. She observed the unexplained rain with a mixture of awe and apprehension and placed the rosary around Don's neck. Don screamed in agony as the crucifix burned his skin and at the same time, the rain stopped. Where was the rain? Just over their table? It, like I think at this point it was, yes. I think it was just on that. No, 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 I think it was throughout the... No, actually, I have Sorry. Pam. Okay. Pam's got a quote here. Pam said later, you looked at Donnie and he was like in a trance. He would look at you, but not knowing you were there. I said, Jeannie, he's got to be possessed. Because <laughs> that's what I think about people who are just staring off into the distance. We're sitting there. A couple of seconds later, there was water all over the pizzeria too. I've never seen anything like that happen. I went in the cash register. I had a crucifix in there. I took it out and put it on him. And the minute I put it on him and it touched his skin, he got burned. There's no way that anybody could have played a joke like that. This was real. Donnie was doing it himself. He was doing it without realizing he was doing it. And so water all over the pizzeria. All over the place. And you said there's no evidence of the burn marks or anything? Or the scratches? There's no Okay. Pictures. Yeah, so this is, and this is one of the things that skeptics say about this story is that although photography was readily available, there's no photographs of anything. Now, with that being said, 1983, you know, for some of our listeners, this might be hard to imagine. Sorry, photography was not readily available. Yeah, right. We had those like 110 cameras. Remember those like little thin cameras with like the 110 film? Yeah. Those were kind of there. There oh, was those were barely by the... By the that, yeah, by the late 90s. There was Polaroids. Mm -hmm. There was Polaroids and there were 35 so millimeters. Expensive. But it was super expensive. So expensive. But police officers should have someone the, with a camera. Right. The people in their house, maybe not. People in a pizzeria, very unlikely that anybody's going to have a camera around. But the police officer should have had a camera. And they might have, but... There, there's a wrench in the works for that okay. too coming up here. Oh boy. But I don't agree. I, I think there's plenty of other explanations for what's going on here. I don't think that that's the best one to latch on to because I'm sorry, no, photography was not readily available. It was not easily accessible. If you weren't middle class, lower class, sure. We didn't, they didn't even have disposable cameras back then. 
Oh, no, 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 yeah. yeah. It would be, yeah. There were cam cameras in institutions like hospitals, police stations, DMVs, obviously, but, and even the cameras with police stations, you'd have to probably call for someone to bring a camera for, to an investigation. Yeah. The responding officer wouldn't have a camera. Right. That probably didn't happen for, until really smartphones. Yep. Okay. Um, and I'm still curious as to why at the house they had follow-up officers come, as you said, and they no one brought a camera or was told to bring a camera. We're going to get into that in a second. Okay. And and not that not specifically about the camera, but about a player who's involved who might have told him not to take pictures. Oh boy. <laughs> Immediately after returning to the house, the rain started again. Romaine and Jeannie decided to confront Don and ask him why and how he was doing this. They took him into the kitchen and talked to him, but Don didn't answer. He just stared blankly. Frustrated with the lack of response, the women began to yell at Don to make it stop. At this point, the whole house began to shake. Doors and cupboards were opening and closing on their own, and Don lifted into the air and hovered for several seconds before being flung to the floor. Romaine had no choice but to start reading from the Bible. Okay. Yeah, hell, I don't know if I wouldn't do the same yeah, thing. <laughs> totally agree. If this happened to any other person. During this whole thing, too, the chief did show up for a very short period of time. So mm -hmm. while the women are yelling at him, Officer Bojan shows up again. But Officer Bojan later said, When the chief got into the house, he was pelted with water, just as Rich and I were. I got the impression that he was put on the spot, maybe a little bit embarrassed, like we expected something out of him that he could answer. There was no way to explain what happened. I think he was put in a position where he might have felt a little uncomfortable. The police chief announced that the problem was a plumbing issue and ordered his officers to leave the Kiefer house. Officer Bojan said they were told not to file a report and not even to talk about the incident. Well, he just flat out denied it. It didn't happen. And he tried to convince me that nothing happened and he wasn't going to do that. I saw it. And that's all there is to it. Who's that? That's Officer uh, Bojan. Okay. Two things just happened. One, the women confronted Don mm -hmm. and were like, make it stop. Don didn't respond. He flew into the air and hovered. Everybody saw this, by the way. So, I'm sorry, the, the two couples saw it. So the Kiefers and the landlords. But no law enforcement. <clears throat> no. Allegedly, because they never wrote a report. No officers saw that. Okay. But there's another part coming up here that okay. the officers did see. So, but if I understand you correctly, the chief is saying, don't write a report to the responding officer. So don't write a report. This is a plumbing issue. And he basically said he didn't want to have anything to do with it. Now, I, I listened to another skeptics podcast on this, and I think they found out that this chief was up for re-election very soon. And so if he was to go on record saying, you know, a demon's making it rain in this guy's house... That might have put a damper on his... Is it just sheriff is elected? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I think I they know. are. I think, well, at least in this town they were. Right. Yeah. Different. Yeah, who knows? Pennsylvania, I'm not sure. But anyway, so a lot going on there. A lot to unpack with motives. The chief tells them not to do their thing, but they ignore him. Mm -hmm. they, they eventually ignore him and they, they go back because they're friends with the people who live there and they didn't want to leave them hanging. Yeah. So, so he flies in the air. He hovers for a few seconds, and then he's thrown once again into a corner. And at this point, the two women are... So he's the one... The women, woman who lives in the house with her husband, the two of them were at the restaurant with, with Dawn. And now they come back the friends to the friends were at... Yes. And Bob and... What's her name? Jan? Jeannie. Like a Jeannie? Okay. Bob and Jeannie. Okay. So they've been with Dawn the whole time. 
They come, he's just had an episode of the pizza place. Did he communicate at all through any of this? Or was he in that like catatonic? He was kind of, it sounds like for the most part, he was in trance-like state. Uh -huh. He wasn't really, every once in a while he would say, there's a part coming up where he talks a little bit, but it's not like he's really talking to anybody in particular. He's pretty much just staring Dis forward. So he's sort of dissociating this whole time. It goes severe to say catatonic, but he's, he's dissociative like the whole time from as soon as he leaves the bathroom. Or no, it was after he said, this is the water start after dinner and he's like this is my grandfather and then after that he's pretty much dissociates yes. even when they're like let's go get some pizza he's just kind of with he, them he with, he's just with them okay yeah. and so he comes back every after... eyewitness account that they have every quote i have is like don was just staring into the distance okay don was just looking at the corner of the room he's not really responding to anything okay so then the he comes back to the house and the landlord and his wife are there again. So you said the two women in the kitchen are with him. Yeah. Everybody, all the, both the couples. The two men are standing out in the next room over. So they, okay. they do see, he's staying in the doorway. So they see him lift up off the ground right. and get flung. Okay. They see the alleged levitation. Because I'm trying to think of like the things that have been added on now. Right. Because we've got the bathroom haunting, no witnesses for that. We've got the water. Hold on. Yeah. Witnesses are different from, like there's a witness, but then there's also like the victim oh, okay. you know what i mean i don't know from okay. a law enforcement yeah. perspective and then there's the burning of the crucifix the levitation okay yep. just making sure all the boxes of paranormal things are right the burn checked. and the rain oh of course the water all the water okay moving on okay and then also the last thing is romaine she starts reading from the bible mm -hmm. passages from the bible the one of the officers did go back because they were like we need to help these people we need to figure something out and he went back while she was reading and the rain apparently i don't have this in the story but the rain was just following her like she was walking back and forth reading the Bible and the rain was following her. Wow. It was only raining on her. Oh, such cool visuals. Right? The idea of it. Like following her like a cloud or like spraying at her from the side. <laughs> this is what a special effects crew would want to know. <laughs> yeah. Where are we spraying the water? <laughs> this activity continued for three more days. Days. That's what I read right there. Wow. On the third day, Ron finally called a priest to come in and perform a cleansing. Ron later said, as she started to pray, Donnie went into a convulsion. He started to shake. He pulled himself into a ball, and the longer she prayed, he started to relax then. So Romaine, what day was this? The, the third day. The third day. So and this priest refuses to be identified. So I didn't have her name in here, but it's a female priest who comes in, mm -hmm. or a female pastor comes in to cleanse. Yeah, so it's... Not a Catholic priest, right? Romaine confirmed his whole body seemed to quiet completely down. And as you're standing there watching this, you could feel the house itself seem to take on a totally different feeling. Ron followed up with, and by the time she got done praying, the water was gone. And that was the last time we saw any water at that house at all. But isn't it like flooded at this point? Like damaged three days of... That's a really good question. I don't think so. So it's so paranormal that there's no remaining evidence of the water. There you go. Isn't that convenient? There's no water damage anywhere. Yeah. That's convenient for the landlord. It sure <laughs> is. It's also, yeah, the couple being like, oh, well, it stops every now and then it's gone. We can just let him stay in our house for three days. I, I know they're family friends and they wanted to be there for him. It's just surprising once you think you have the source that they were screaming at him and then they let him stay. Because sort of interesting interpersonal stuff going on. I don't really understand. Well, he got hurt. When they screamed when, at him, so... Yeah. So, okay, so their mood might have changed. This would be all the dynamics they would that would be in a movie version of this, right? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And so there is another scene that I, I took out of this because it wasn't in both of the reenactments. It was only in one of them. Mm-hmm. And that's when they go to get Don. The police officers do try. They put a crucifix in his hand as well. And they see it burn him. He goes, mm-hmm. ah, it's hot. And he said, the officer said, when I picked it up off the floor, he's like, it wasn't boiling hot, but it was warm. Mm-hmm. It was not as warm as when I put it in his hand. You know, he only had it in his hand for like a couple seconds before he dropped it. And then he also once again got picked up in front of the officers and then flung against the wall. Mm. Now, with that, that can somewhat be easily explained maybe by saying that these officers got rowdy with him and threw him against the wall. And then they were like, it was paranormal. <laughs> this is this is where behavioral stuff can be really, yeah, can be exaggerated, minimized, depending on the person telling it. And so eyewitness stuff gets really tricky. And this is all eyewitness. Yeah. But... It is multiple eyewitnesses, which is interesting. That's that's what always kind of holds me back, brings me back to this story. Is, but when I'm thinking, I don't think about ancient Rome. I think mm-hmm. about paranormal stories. And this right. Is, this is my ancient Rome. This <laughs> is my you. paranormal story that Thank I that you. I come back to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, there was a study done recently on it's not a study. not a study. Just a there was an article online about online thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. an online thing about how men apparently think about ancient Rome way more often than anybody ever thought they did. Yeah, there's a whole SNL sketch. Yeah. Anyway. So So then they bring the pastor or the holy person in to do the cleansing. She does the cleansing and everything stops in the house. Who brought the pastor in? Ron. The landlord. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know who Ron is now. Um, so <laughs> I don't know his wife's name. Okay. There's just, yeah, I would, there's so much. We're not done yet. Okay. Keep going. I'm just pulling it all together in my head. Mm-hmm. After the bewildering events at the Kiefer's home and the local pizzeria, Don Decker's temporary release from jail came to an end. He found himself back within the austere walls of the prison, a stark contrast to the world where he had become known as the Rain Man. Within the confines of a cell, Don's thoughts turned again to the mysterious rain. It wasn't long before these thoughts manifested into reality. Water defying all logic began to emerge from the concrete floor of his cell. According to Don, he now realized he could control the rain at will. A skeptical guard challenged him to make it rain in Warden Dave Keenhold's office. Warden Keenhold recalled, I was sitting at the desk writing a report. I was all by myself in the administration area. Nobody else was around. It was approximately eight o'clock in the evening. At the time, I didn't feel anything, but my shirt was drooping down. An officer entered and told Warden Keenhold to look at his shirt. And right about at the center of my sternum, about four inches long, two inches wide, I was just saturated with water. I was startled. I was scared. The officer was frightened at that particular time. I just didn't have any explanation for why it happened. The warden called in Reverend William Blackburn. All of a sudden, I received this frantic call from the sergeant in the jail. And he said, can you come over? We need you. We need your help. So we brought this very meek and mild-mannered young man into the room, and he was asking for my help. Don told the Reverend that he can make it rain, and that crosses placed on his body burned. According to Reverend Blackburn, he told Don to admit that he was just making things up. All of a sudden, his demeanor changed, and this smell came into the room. Nurses and doctors, medical people, say that when you walk into a room where someone is dying with a cancer or something, usually there's a smell. You can tell when you walk in the room. I smell the smell that multiplied five times at least. Evil foreboding. He raised his hand and rubbed his fingers together, and all of a sudden, it started to rain. It was like the devil's rain. It was a mist. I was in the presence of evil. I opened up the Bible and started to read to him, but the pages never got wet. 
So help me, it was a frightening thing. I think I was praying more for me than for him. I prayed and it was only a brief period and then the rain stopped. Reverend Blackburn said he noticed a sudden change in Don as well. He subsided and you could feel a peace. He said, thank you. He got tears in his eyes. We hugged and prayed together. He was possessed. There was no doubt in my mind. There's no way a human could do what he did in that room. There's no way that he did anything, but what he did was spiritual and it wasn't of God. Guaranteed, it was not of God. Don Decker said that he feels like the bizarre occurrence won't happen again. Well, it's over. It hasn't happened again. Basically, I'm just hoping that it never will. And I just, you know, go day to day. As for my grandfather, I think what happened was his doing. Because he abused me when I was young, he got a chance to abuse me once again. And that's the last of the Don Decker story. Wow. Don Decker was recently rearrested for arson. Well, not recently, 2012. He switched from water to fire. He switched from water to fire. Mm -hmm. That's right. The haunting episode was redone recently within the last five years. Again, stories stay the same. Special effects get better. So it's much better to watch that one if that's what you're looking for. There were a lot of different parts of the story that I left out because they weren't in both of them, because they weren't part of the tale that has stayed consistent. I, I, I touched on some of them while we went through it, but... A lot of parts like that? No... Like, the pizzeria thing they cut out completely, which is interesting in the new one. Mm -hmm. But again, the pizzeria owner might not be around anymore. She was mm -hmm. kind of old back in the 80s and 90s. So, you know, that's, it, it is what it is. And over the She was also kind of, like, I don't want to say kooky, but she was also like, I knew he was possessed as soon as I saw him. You know, he sounded like a Southern preacher. It was kind of like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, you're... I think I overheard that clip. You should put yeah. that in the show notes. Okay. It, oh, no, I'll put, I'll put both okay. both these in the show notes. The Unsolved yeah. Mysteries, I think, is free on YouTube. I'll make sure to put that that link in the in the show notes. Right, because it is, that's one piece that I can touch on, you know, from a psychology perspective is that people confuse dissociative reactions, trauma reactions, psychotic episodes with possession, and that has been happening for millennia. Right, and I would so say long. if it was just Dawn doing the thing, getting the scratches, seeing things, then then we've already talked about this a million times. We've already talked about psychotic episodes, mm -hmm. people not wanting to admit that's what they are, whatever. Yeah. I think it's the physical manifestation of the rain that really kind of drives it home for me. And it is something that, again, this could totally be a hoax. Okay, so that's the other piece that like, I'm sitting here like, okay, the behavioral parts of his, of Don himself, his, his even flying across the room, like these things are, I quote, eyewitness, and there can be just a a lot of exaggeration that happens when people are behaving really erratically and lunging violently at themselves or away. So I don't even, I don't really hold all of that as unexplainable. It's the water. The water is unexplainable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unless you have thoughts. I, I, I don't. Because it, it, if it did travel with him out, out of that house, then it's very difficult to say it was environmental. I don't. When we learn about, this is, I promise this will go somewhere. In a previous life, I learned about surveillance detection. Mm -hmm. So how to detect someone's tailing you, basically. Mm -hmm. And time, distance, and direction are the three things that you're kind of looking for. So in other words, you pick three places that are totally different distances apart, totally different directions apart, and totally different times of travel apart. And if you see the same person in each three of those places, then you've probably got someone tailing you, right? This is like that, right? This is the time, distance, direction where I guess the pizzeria and the house are pretty close together, but the jail's not. Yeah. The jail's pretty far away, right? And so with that third place and this happening a third time with different eyewitnesses, it's hard to dispute. It's hard to say it's it's the um, the Dana Carvey uh, stand-up where he talks about how the OJ, you know, it's a conspiracy against OJ. And he's like, 
it's too big. It's like Freeman OJ in. He's like, there'd have to be too many people involved for this to be a true conspiracy, right? Yeah. That's how uh, I feel about this. Now, I, I, correctional yeah. officers and law enforcement officers are usually simpatico, mm -hmm. friendly, whatever. They know each other. Yeah, especially in um, a place where people are getting furloughed. Yeah. To the community. There's a trust right? there. There's a, tr there's a trust with, with, uh, with Don there. But Don, you know, again, he wasn't there for anything... Um, uh, he, he wasn't a violent person, mm -hmm. obviously he had a very calm demeanor. He was there for minor theft. And and if you read a little bit into his life, he's like, yeah, I, you know, I got involved with the wrong people and I just got, I got wrapped up in, in, in something that was above me and mm -hmm. I, I got caught, you know, and the, obviously the, the Kiefer's trusted him to come into their house. I think they had kids too. He, they trusted him as, as family friends. And, you know, they were talking to him about what he's going to do when he gets out and like all the stuff there was, he was out for a very sad reason and for a reason he might not have wanted to be out for, but he was hopeful for the future. And that's another thing that kind of drives this home. Maybe, hey guys, let's do this big hoax and then we can all get rich off of writing a movie, writing a, a book, writing, you know, whatever, Amityville horror style. Yeah, you know. these are some of my questions. Were there newspapers and TV crews coming over those three days? Is there any external Not over the three days, incentive? only after, right? Only because mm -hmm. so many people, and, and you can kind of see this side of it too, there were so many law enforcement officers or people of authority who were like, I'm not talking about this. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not risking my career. I'm not, you know, people are going to think I'm crazy if I, if I tell you this. There's probably that fear of, and if we call the news crews now, it's going to stop before they get here, right? And then everybody's going to be like, uh, what are you guys talking about? Mm -hmm. um, but they eventually did talk about it on Unsolved Mysteries in the 90s. Both officers get on there and the warden get on there and they talk. Both officer, one of the officers and the warden get back and they talk on, on the new one. But the chief not. The chief never shows up, no. He, ne he never never acknowledges it, never shows up. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they called them, him for an interview and he just said no, mm -hmm. but he didn't. Wow. And, so... and that almost proves, he's almost the exception that proves it, right? Where it's like, well, there was one person there who was like, I'm not talking about this and refuses to talk about it still. If this were, again, if this were a hoax, it's masterful in who, that who design. Who do you think initiated the hoax? If, let's go down the ho hoax route. If like it was a hoax. would be the most logical explanation of a hoax? I think but... the correctional officers, they would have to kind of put it into Don's head, like, hey, we can do, we got a busted pipe here, let's see if we can kind of recreate this elsewhere and get everybody involved. Oh, so before he went on furlough. Yeah, you can go on furlough if you help us make millions of dollars with this story. Interesting. So it was like a plan, and then they got But the... that's so, that's what I'm saying, it's so flimsy, right? It would almost have to be Don, but again, he's locked up in prison, so he can't set up any kind of effects or anything like that within a house. He can call, I guess, and have it set up. It's very illogical, if you're right, that with the means that they had at that time to be like, we're going to do a hoax. What? Okay, socioculturally, was there anything else going on around this time that would fit in that? Like, we had a, there was a lot of satanic panic. Yeah, and the possession of... thing, yeah. Was there a lot of possession stuff going on? I think well, no, no, no. The... the satanic panic would have been, you know, possessions yeah. would have been a part of that. Yeah. The Exorcist came out what? Um, Seventy late seventy nine. Yeah, seventy eight, seventy nine. So a few years before. So that was on everybody's mind. And the belief that you know there was no internet, so you'd mm -hmm. hear a story and you'd believe it. If someone was like, my cousin was possessed by the devil. It's just so hard to see. Well, my aunt talks angels for this, like. If you don't, if no one has since found evidence of any incentive for that kind of a hoax, but. Because the, the couple would have to be in on it, the landlord would have to be in on it. Yeah. Um, There's two, the law enforcement would have to be in on it, the correctional officers would have to be in on it, the priest would have to be in on it. Yeah. 
There's there's just two the pastor again, time, and the reverend like time two different. distance direction yeah there's too many with with all of these and you and I haven't talked a lot about hoaxes we tend to I tend to try to have good faith okay right. obviously any of the things we've talked about so far can just be hoaxes or lies people telling stories but we usually try to say okay say the person believes it that it happened to them or that the, you know we tend to try to go that way yeah. but this is one where it's really hard to explain otherwise right otherwise yeah now it is just eyewitness accounts so therein lies the if it all happened in one location to kind of go back to your point about this mm -hmm. very suspicious that it's multiple locations and different groups of people but yeah eyewitness accounts as i think i talked a bit about before are not super reliable Especially yeah. the more distal you are from the person. So if you witness a car accident or if you witness someone far away from you or something happening to someone else, you're going to get very different perspectives from everybody involved. And the more time that passes or the way you ask the questions with law enforcement knows this, that we can absolutely prime people with the way we ask a question. Yeah. Um, so again, we can talk about all that with other cases, but none of that seems to really apply here because the I quote eyewitnesses were at such different places right. and different combinations of different people. It's really hard to say. Now, I do think, however, there could be a sequence of events that happened where if it was a hoax that started with the family in the house, say it was Don and the people he was staying with, and they maybe got the landlords involved with them. If he could conveniently leave the location anytime that someone needs to come and check it out, like the newspaper wants to come or, and it's not happening anymore. Yeah. You know, they could really keep telling the story as the primary eyewitnesses. If all five of them are in on it together, there's a lot that's questionable about that. The officers become the checkpoint on that, yeah. as you say, because they did see the water, unless but, they were being hoaxed in the house. And then they got embarrassed. Yeah. Maybe the chief came and was like, you guys are idiots. The so water's coming water from here. And they're like, oh shit. Yeah. And like, well, we don't want to look like idiots, so, um, and we don't like this chief. There's, so yeah, like let's let's try mm -hmm. to prove him let's get the warden involved because yeah. he's our buddy there I, there's a lot of jumps this is like a conspiracy theory now and there's a lot of jumps you have to make we always try to say on this podcast what's more likely right i don't think it's necessarily that these things have to be connected it could be that the rumor of this all happening gets back to the warden right before don even goes back from furlough he's in his cell and the warden might believe it. He might want to have some notoriety. I'm thinking archetypes of this, the warden from Silence of the Lambs. I'm just kind of a ski yeah. ball and I just want some notoriety. So I want a story to tell too. All that takes is him putting some water on his shirt and calling a reverend to come in Yeah. and do a blessing. Oh, and the reverend is an easy one because they're gonna wanna prove they might believe it. Yeah. So there's a person who's predisposed to believing it. I'm not super convinced that, of the warden component of it, to be honest, because you didn't have rain happening. Right. Uh, when, the, when the priest came in and started. Oh, praying. and yeah, there well, was, so the, there was the part, hold on. Yeah. There was part that was not, uh, that I didn't include when Donnie got back, they put him into a maximum security cell with a cellmate and he made it rain in his cell. According to, according to one of the, uh, one of the accounts, one cellmate. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's starting to need to become lore at this point, to become legend about him. Right. The more days that go by, and the except other for he's people... still alive and he still talks about it. Yeah. 
he could be spreading his own lore. If you think about a personality type that could convince people of, a, of an ability or could say, if you tell someone that I just did it, it could incentivize it. It doesn't take much to incentivize people who are in institutional settings. But I will buy you some cigarettes if you just tell people this right. happened. I don't find that to be the most reliable setting for any of that to be believed. Yeah. So... Uh I, I kind of started on this thought, but you know, on this podcast, we try to say what's more likely mm -hmm. that a demon possessed a guy and he made it rain in three different locations or that everybody was in on it. I don't think and, it's black and, or white, but well, if it was ruled out that the places where there actually are multiple witnesses to the water, and it seems like the house is the only place that you have consistent documentation of multiple witnesses of the water. Like the pizza place, there was only the same people who were at the house and then the owner the they haven't they didn't yeah. interview any other people who were at the pizza place i don't know i don't think yeah. so. so but again they were told apparently told by the chief of police to not don't file a report don't interview yeah. anybody let this go yeah this isn't great that makes these these law enforcement officers look especially unqualified yeah. to do their own job, which is you write it up no matter what. So I'm going to finish my thought now. I just remembered it. So we usually ask what's more likely. In this case, they're both pretty unlikely. Demonic uh, possession or a huge conspiracy hoax. Or a huge hoax. Yeah. The huge hoax sounds like a conspiracy theory. Yeah. And the possession sounds some, like something supernatural. Right. So this is a really, really tough nut to crack. Usually we can point to something and be like, but this, right. and it's like, okay, yes, that. The one thing we haven't touched on is, and I don't know the proper term for it, the, the more modern term for it, and I apologize, but mass hysteria, or people getting into a group and groupthink or whatever Yeah, it's I called. almost said that when I went down the eyewitness route, but group panic. Groupthink is a real phenomenon we can talk yeah. about too. Groupthink, group panic, shared panic would be the probably a newer term than mass hysteria, but it's more contagion effect yeah. of um, we're empathic and sensitive creatures who mirror each other's emotions. Yeah. And I think that could more explain why even if Don was hoaxing other people or looked like the house is having a plumbing issue, meanwhile, someone's having a dissociative episode who's in grief and shock. Right. And they correlate the two as a group, the couple and the landlord. And they're like, it's him. It's him. They could build each other up to have some pretty hysterical, quote, hysterical responses. Right. It seems like the two women, behavior. the two women, the two wives did eventually gang up on him in the in the kitchen. Yeah. Which is, again, fall, yeah, falls right into the women in hysterics are just going to make we'll sure. stop them. Uh, no, no. They were like, oh, maybe they're right. Shit. Like, yeah. They didn't know what was going on. Nobody knew what Nobody was going on. Nobody knew what was going on. Right. Mm -hmm. Again, I, I always come back to this story and, and I find it incredibly compelling and again, even more so that they talked obviously in the 80s, it was in the 90s with Unsolved Mysteries, and then it was kind of reconfirmed in the 2000s yeah. um, with the Haunted episode. Yeah. And they bring everybody back, you know, everybody they can. So they bring, they bring mm -hmm. a lot of the same eyewitnesses back. Even when Donnie was rearrested for arson in 2012, the news crew interviewed Bob and, and Bob tells the story again. He tells, mm -hmm. he's like, I just can't explain it. Even to this day, they're just like, we just can't explain yeah. it. But everything that we said happened, it did happen. Yeah. So it's it's amazing. I mean, there are so many pieces to it where you could just keep talking about it and, and still... And so if it's real, it deserves a movie. It deserves books. It deserves interviewed more and more research on this guy. He needs to be studied in a lab. It's he never needs, happened since. He so. needs to be incentivized for mm -hmm. making it rain. But I guess he had... The idea is sort of being if he's like, it hasn't happened since, I guess I just had to get past... My, my grandfather had to stop haunting me and poltergeisting me or giving me yeah. this power or ability that 
it's a little confusing for him to possess have no me. control and then yeah. have him possessed and all that. Or maybe his grandfather was possessed and his grandfather died and the demon hopped to him. There you go. See, these are explanations. There could also even be that it's some poetic externalization of the grief that he couldn't process. All yeah. of his tears were just outward yeah. instead of inward he was too emotion you know too frozen in his emotions to even really feel any different kind of spiritual or philosophical or religious belief system could create a spiritual psychological explanation for that you know what i mean yeah that could be it's a demon or it's an emotional manifest it's whatever or it's physical x-men power <laughs> pieces of that that sound very much like you know the phoenix in the in the x-men movies so it's a modern archetype yeah uh, and I think there have been movies based upon it, but I don't, uh, again, based upon Donnie's life now, I don't think he's rich. I don't think he's made a lot of money off of it or anything like that. I Again, he was rearrested. Yeah. I think he was, I think mm. he confessed and was convicted, all that mm -hmm. stuff. So I, I don't know, maybe there's a rich guy running around setting fires to things, but um, I, I guess I could have done a little more research on where he's at now. Not um, all incentives are monetary. Yeah. Attention. Sure. Uh, especially if a person has a streak of antisocial, it could be just causing mayhem, causing fear, causing... But, and, and he might have that, yeah. but there's the other people involved who uh, maybe all of them have it. You're it's talking a... about something that is a percentage of what percentage of the population is like I that? I don't know, maybe one, one in a hundred or less. Yeah, yeah. so you, you just got mm -hmm. five people that were just so happened to be in that, in that yeah. point in the bell curve. <laughs> maybe it could have only just taken the two, the family yeah. friends who could... Why are they family friends? Maybe they cluster with people with similar mm. motivations. So it, it, I'm, I'm, it's not beyond hoax to me. Right. Especially, in, I, I it, agree. it is very unlikely to be a complicated hoax between all the people. Yes. But it is quite possible that it's a, a small plan that had a really big turn of events and just went wild for them and maybe worked better or worse than they expected. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we, you know, we, we compare a lot of things to horror movies, obviously, because those are based upon true stories, a lot of them, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And there are other Hollywood movies about hoaxes and con men going too far, right? And, mm -hmm. and sometimes things taking off without them really realizing how far it took off. There's things in modern society and, and in modern politics where I, I think there are some politicians out there who started something and then it went really far and they were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Right. I think that's something that can totally happen for sure. Mm -hmm. But I'm with you. It's so hard though, because it's it's part of my, the other part of the reason why we started this podcast and why I wanted to start this podcast is because I used to love conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. And then they got out of hand. Then people mm -hmm. started believing them and going and shooting up pizza restaurants and doing all kinds of crazy stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And I kind of, again, I kind of see the same thing happening with the paranormal now, which is another one of my like, things that I love. I love watching paranormal shows. I love watching paranormal videos. Again, I don't believe in any of them, but this is one of those things where it's it's conflicting within me because I either have to believe in a conspiracy theory or I have to believe in the paranormal. That's it. Okay. So it's a struggle within it's it's my own internal struggle, but I, I struggle with it. Yeah. But yes, I do lean more towards a conspiracy, more towards, you know, what is more likely what? that this one guy was possessed one time and this event has never ever happened again to him or anybody that's been mm -hmm. recorded, or that it was a three to a dozen people right. <laughs> were involved in some a mass conspiracy where they haven't changed 
you know, their Does stories. Does it make it a conspiracy? I don't know. I mean, I think it makes That's it a, a conspiracy. A, is it? A, what, yeah. A, a group of people. I mean, conspiracy is a pretty basic definition of a group of people conspiring. But Let's look it up. It's a hoax. I mean, I'm not saying this is definitely a hoax. It's just a hoax is, there have been hoaxes that involve many people. Uh, a conspiracy, a secret plan by a group to do something unlawful yeah. or harmful. Mm -hmm. So maybe not a conspiracy. I'm sure there's a second. The act of conspiring together. Yeah. An agreement among conspirators. Yeah. A group it. of conspirators. That's it. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't take much. Yeah. I'm surprised this one got you so stuck. I mean, it's definitely stuck in the like, that's a really strange, just like the, I keep going back to when we did the ghost hitchhikers and we kind of flew yeah. past that video with the balloons. Oh yeah. That was the only one where I was like, oh my gosh, there's some potential on-camera physical evidence of something but i want to go back and watch again i want to find more about it because yeah. it's probably a hoax but that's just one person who posted that who could have changed it yeah again we're talking time distance and direction so it would have to be a conspiracy Morgan. and very pre-planned yeah kind of genius okay so you talked about think about the doc, the shows you watch. These are TV shows, Unsolved Mysteries, mm -hmm. and then is it a sci? You said sci-fi channel. Where they dramatize paranormal experiences that people have. And we know both of those shows are incentivized for it to come. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. So, was there yeah. a journalist? Is there any journalistic sources that are consistent? Was there a journalist on site the day it started, the night, the days after, and then followed up with the warden? Like that, that would be really compelling to me to see some journalistic approach to studying this case. Yeah, uh, 1983, like, uh, I think I researched this too late because there was a time period between 1983 and now where, um, first of all, there were a lot, a lot more local publications that hadn't been up, uh, bought up by mass media, and also there weren't paywalls. We're going to have so, to go to the library in Pennsylvania. <laughs> that's right. Well, if we yeah. ever find ourselves in Pennsylvania, yeah. in Strasburg, then we'll have to go to the local library and look yeah. up some papers from 1983 and see. Yeah. It's just, it's too hard to investigate online now. You um, guys would, I mean, Dustin, you have, you have very good sleuthing abilities when it comes to look, finding records and knowing where you have to go to find, find, sometimes you just have to go. You have to go physically to the location. Yeah. yeah. Old school. Yeah. As we like to call it. Especially in the eighties. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and further back. So this has been interesting. I yeah. wouldn't say that I could tie it up in a nice little psychological science bow, but... And you can't. And, and that's can't. another part of it, right? I love that's, it. Yeah. yeah. That's another part of this, the uh -huh. story. And that's why, you know, this is my ancient Rome, right? This is why I think about this story a lot. Because <laughs> I'm like, but yeah. okay, maybe if it's like that IT crowd episode where he's trying to like find out how someone could burn alive at SeaWorld. Because mm -hmm. the, the girl he's dating. <laughs> yes. So it like rebuilds it. And he's like, oh... <laughs> If it's they're like that. here and she's there, it's just like that. Then that's it's, how it it's happened. even got water involved. Yep, there you go. It's just like that. Oh my gosh. Because I, I keep going, now I'm going back to, I want to talk to a special effects expert who would know, or even a basic, anybody who would know, how could you make water happen in a house and then at a restaurant? And I don't think we have enough convincing evidence that there was substantial water at the prison. Like, I, I'm kind of going to rule that as out as a location where anything majorly. Paranormal happened. Oh. I think it's just the house in the pizza parlor, from what you've told me. What The priest walking around saying, speaking out of the Bible, and it raining everywhere except for on the Bible. The Bible yeah. never got wet. I don't I don't find that person. Again, it kind of goes back to this unsolved mystery as a person who's incentivized to tell a story. The reverend is incentivized because he's a member of the clergy. May, that, or they might have been asked by the warden to tell a story. Hmm. 
this may be reflecting some more of my mistrust and stories that come from institutionalized settings like that decades ago. That's why I want a journalistic approach. I want more reliable sources, a more objective, Unf reliable sources. Unfortunately, we don't have them. Yeah. So this story is something that is just in the annals of history and mm. it is truly recorded. It is. So it's there that's and we can't we can't go back in time. So yeah. all we can do is sit here and speculate. That's right. So and that's with most of our stories. That's usually the truth, but it's usually a lot easier to poke holes. It in. really is. And so I do have to sit with that like I want to be open-minded and I generally go back to if it's something we can't explain it's because we don't have the tools to explain it this is just such an anomalous case where it's we don't often hear about water poltergeists <laughs> yeah so I, I can't go back to go to like we just don't have the tools to assess that thing that keeps happening or that this is just such a such a discreet story it's interesting yeah and that's another thing about like demon possession we heard a couple of Pretty common themes, three scratches, yeah. seeing a, a demon manifest in a mirror or a reflective surface. That's a very common theme as well. Levitation, that's a very common theme with demonic possession. Yeah. Rain and water, that's nowhere. Yeah. That's not a thing. No. Things defying rain and, and water and, and, and other substances like that, defying gravity, flying in different directions. That's not something you usually hear when it comes to ghosts or possessions or anything like that. Maybe you hear it um, with alien abductions because anti-gravity and there's, you know, you're out in space or, or whatever it is. You'll see things like piece of water floating around. Yeah. That's not something you usually hear with this type of paranormal story. So it is incredibly unique. <laughs> right. And just, again, if this was a conspiracy, somebody would have had to have thought of that. I know. I love the idea of like someone's in the kitchen with a water pistol shooting yeah. a, a police officer when they come through the door. Pew, pew. That's right. <laughs> So well, that, but that's what they would have had to, there would have had to be a bunch of them, and, you know, <laughs> shooting up from the, between the from, floorboards yeah, yeah. and whatever they couldn't just put a hole, a hose with ho holes in it. They would have found that. Right. They well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Nowadays, I think you could order something off Amazon that uh -huh. would basically recreate this, right? <laughs> that would be automated. That would be, oh, yeah. you know, hey, Google, turn on the demon water or whatever, you know, and they would be able to do it. Oh my gosh. Google's going to respond to me right now. But back then, it would have had to be a custom-built thing. Yeah. And then, and then, it, but if it wasn't, then you're including even more people in the conspiracy, which means there's even more of a likelihood of somebody finally coming out and being like, yeah, that was a huge hoax. Yeah. And the fact that nobody's come out and said it's a huge hoax yet, that's another key indicator for me because it's been 40 years. It is interesting. I want to. I definitely want to watch some of these interviews just to see. Okay. The we'll watch haunted. The officers talking about it. Yeah. That that's another thing that I'd love to talk to you about. I know we're out of time, but mm -hmm. like I'd love to talk to you about how we both have started watching Jack Osborne's paranormal show. Yeah. And we kind of like it. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty good. Him, it's... And, him and Kelly and it, like you know Ozzy get, jumps in there a couple of times and Ozzy is apparently this is really interesting. Ozzy Osborne is a huge skeptic of paranormal things. And I completely understand why, because, you know, he was like, I'm the prince of darkness. I'm Satan, blah, blah, blah. And everybody's like, oh, you're going to go to hell and everything. And he's he's like, not mm. scared of it. Yeah. yeah he's mean, like, no, yeah. he's like, none of that stuff is real. Yeah. Even though I'm not into his music, I've never felt so like simpatico with him and yeah. having that like what but then there are things where he was like with well, that door open twice that really got me like well but you know, his kids are getting scared his so kids, he's watching yeah, his kid like so it, many layers yeah he's that. watching jack and uh -huh. kelly go out on these paranormal investigations and and he's get Sh sharon sitting with him too and she's like what are they doing i can't believe it and he's like <laughs> oh no so he's just can't believe that the dude is just get get the fuck out 
you know. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, he's, so he's, you know, he's fearful for his children's, you know, life or um, safety, uh, which is interesting. But he, you know, Jack's, uh, I think my dad's starting to believe some of this stuff. You know? Yeah. Like, he's like, my dad texted me and he wants me to go investigate this place. I think he's, uh, he was up last night late going down a rabbit hole on YouTube and he really wants me to go investigate this place. It's, and that might be production. That might be a lot of There's so things, much but... of that. Yeah. That I watched this and I'm like, oh, they're so, it's so cute. And I really like, I like the kids. I think they're likable and their relationship is fun and their differences, like how different Jack and, yeah. and Kelly are. And um, at the same time, I just continue to go back to all of this could absolutely be staged and the producers can be doing stuff. Oh, and yeah. It's just completely unreliable. And then the thing that drives me nuts is the equipment. Oh, yeah. Continued, continued yes. speaking about these tools as if they are just validated tools for the detecting of spiritual That's entities. right. Yeah, and we it's... talked about doing an episode on that. And yeah. we're, uh, let's, uh, that, that's going to be kind of an action item for you all out there is to keep listening because we are eventually going to do that episode right. where we look at, maybe we'll do a special series where we look at a different one each time. Yeah. And that's a turn in the tables for yeah. us, for our roles. Um, oh, yeah. I haven't done it since the EVP episode oh, yeah. where I'm telling you some stories of REM pod use and MF readers and all the Spirit stuff. Spirit boxes. Spirit boxes. You guys have to tell us, do we do one episode at a time based on each tool? Whatever uh, approach you'd like us to take to the methods of paranormal investigating. That's right. And, and that'll be me interviewing you. And the best way for you to follow us is to follow us on Instagram or smash that subscribe button, y'all. Do it. Uh, but on Instagram, we are paranormal.outsiders. You can also email us at stories at paranormaloutsiders.com. We'd love to hear from you. We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. I think it's one of the funnest ones we've done. At least I feel like it's one of the funnest ones we've done. And thanks for listening. Yeah. Until next time. Thanks for hanging out. Bye. <laughs>